You're listening to Cam's Talk, a podcast brought to you by service users and professionals from East London NHS Foundation Trust. A podcast where you can hear us discuss, debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the UK. Hello and welcome back to Cam's Talk. Um, my name is Mark and uh, I just wanted to share with you uh, what we're looking to do in this this second episode of the podcast. Um, this episode beautifully follows on from the first episode where um, our service users and our user participation lead discussed issues around the user participation service and let you know what that service was about. Uh, following on from that, two of our service users really wanted to share with you what it was like to come to CAMS um, in order that any of, any young people out there or families that are looking to access our service or get a bit more of an idea of of what it's like to come to CAMS. So we thought we'd take advantage of that. So uh, what you're about to hear is an interview between two of our service users, Nikki Scott, our user service participation lead, and Sharon Latcham, one of our CAMS practitioners. So um, I hope this is really useful to you. So listen and enjoy. So what sort of things were you worried about before you came here? What was your biggest fear, do you think? Um, I think my biggest fear, I'd never been in the sort of cam setting before. Like this was completely, I'd never been to this place. I'd never heard of this place. I didn't know what, I didn't know anything. Didn't know what to expect. Um, And I guess when I came, I was kind of reassured that we went, like you go into the building and it's just like, I don't know you feel like you're in the doctors but are really nice doctors like it's fine so it's it's like you know you're in a place like obviously you talk about your mental health but it doesn't feel scary it's not de- definitely not how you imagine it it's yeah. not like in the horror movies with all the screaming people and yeah yeah <laughs> creepy corridors um and everyone's really nice and you don't feel well I shouldn't feel like embarrassed to be there I thought I would I thought I'd be like oh no I'm here like there must be something wrong with me but every like there's just not that kind of atmosphere I guess but um so it was quite welcoming yeah yeah um specifically to me one of my biggest fears was as someone who suffered with an eating disorder was like I'm gonna go in and they're gonna be like right you have to do this this and this and I guess that can actually range with other mental health difficulties as well like I was I was scared I was gonna be force-fed um but also like I was scared that I was going to be told I couldn't do that I couldn't do that and it was going to be very stern but I don't know people are quite friendly yeah Yeah. um you you always have a choice about your treatment plan it's not decided for you you're like part of it yeah I would say that too unless you are physically unable to like do that so you Uh, felt um, that you were being listened to yeah yeah and Mm. I think I think that treatment plans need to be so individual because different people work in different ways um and so I don't know how would you go about how would you go about listening to what someone like to their personal things and how you're going to go about then treating them how would you go about that you mean treating what you the so information like, say, that you give to us so say what? like I don't know like because I think how do you go about personalizing a treatment plan well, after the assessment, mm-hmm. well, basically you come up with what you would like to see happen. So you'll come mm-hmm. up, we'll come up with like aims. Yeah. So we will have like the aim. So you will come up with, say, for example, if you want to get better, 
the time, the length of time, mm-hmm. things like that we take into consideration yeah. and we formulate that plan according to what your needs are. Mm-hmm. So it's basically think, assessing the needs. I think if you don't have a say in your treatment plan, you're not going to follow it. You're going to be like, mm, that wasn't my choice and I'm not yes. going to do it. Yeah. So it was really important for me to like help choose my own. Yeah. Like they said to me, like, what therapy do you think you need? Mm. What medication would you like to try? And because I had control over that, then I followed it more than and I would have. that works because you take, you take the responsibility for your treatment and when someone do that they own it really and they're mm-hmm. willing to engage better yeah and you'll find that your recovery is quite quicker when you follow that treatment plan yeah and I think a lot of people when they first come because they've never been in the kind of environment that CAMS is before and never had to open up to someone who isn't their immediate family in this way they don't like some people can be quite defiant mm. and they'll be asked questions and they either lie or they're just like don't want to know and like you say they reject their treatment plan because it's a scary thing and yeah but how would you go about talking to someone who doesn't want to open up and doesn't want to share this or doesn't want to get better or how do you go about dealing with that well for me the first time when someone come to me it shows me that they're willing to engage and sometimes Mm -hmm. you kind of have that as as you said you explain about how they feel they're quite quite frightened Mm -hmm. quite embarrassed not sure what's going to happen to them but once you form that therapeutic relationship with someone once you give them that time and they feel that they belong Mm -hmm. sometimes it takes a while for you to develop relationship depends on what that person wants initially yeah but I find as time go by once you approach that person you're there for them Mm -hmm. it's your it's your plan really and sometimes it just comes it just comes naturally after yeah. a while one that relationship because you will find that you you're going to own what's happening and then you're going to follow whatever plan you come up with yeah. as well yeah um was when, that important to you when when you first sort of met your therapist what did they do what do you feel they did to make you feel um relaxed enough to actually trust them and open up to them Um, I think everyone needs a different kind of therapist. So I kind of was like, no, don't like them, don't like them. And then I got a really good one. And she was just right for me. And what I need probably wouldn't be good for somebody who, say, had really bad anxiety because she had to persist with me because I was like, no, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that. Um, Like, in order for me, because I wouldn't share at all. She'd just have to be like, I know you're lying. (laughs) (laughs) You're lying now. Come on, tell me the truth. And it took, I mean, I was with her for like two years. And only near the end did I start to really, really open up because I'm quite, quite a hard shell. But, yeah. but she persevered. She, that's, that's what I needed, what, perseverance. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and she she didn't let you get away with pushing oh, no. her away. She was more like, instead of being like, oh, honey, it's okay, she was more like, right, so this is rubbish, but uh, <laughs> let's fix it now, Yeah, which is kind of what I needed. I and think, in, sorry, um, I think that when I first came, I had to begin with, um, and when I first actually the first phone call my mum had from her and I think this was really helpful she said to my mum like don't worry I've seen this before um and I think sharing that personal experience was then like oh I immediately trust because like I said I thought no one had ever no one's ever seen this before this is this is something no one can deal with um but when I first went I she immediately was like look don't worry 
you're going to get better. I've seen people like you get better. You're going to be okay. And that was so good. Um, and like you said, and there was always as well after that, a load of like, she would always say like, we'd make our plans to meet whenever. She'd always be like, but if you do need me, just call me. Like I am at the end of the phone. And that was so useful. And I did just trust her. I don't, I don't really know why, I just did. When I, um, when I joined CAMS, my fear actually wasn't, oh my God, like people have never seen this before. My fear was they're not gonna take me seriously because everyone experiences this and I'm just oh. a drama queen. Oh. And I thought I was normal, I just couldn't deal with it and that I wasn't, there oh. wasn't something wrong. And then all of a sudden I learned that not everyone gets intrusive thoughts and images, mm. not everyone does this, not everyone does that. And I think I needed cams to actually, rather than tell me it's normal to say, it's abnormal, but we can deal with it. Yeah. So that was the big thing for me, like to be validated. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. And yeah. I think, do you think a lot of people would th- feel that? Do you think a lot of people would think, oh, they're not going to take me seriously. I'm not bad enough to warrant this treatment. I think the whole, I'm not ill enough. Oh, it's or, such a big... Yeah. Or people have it worse. Or no. I shouldn't feel like this because I've got this or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like... I came from a great family. I didn't have anything to worry about. I was, nothing was going on, but they still took me seriously because they were like, this isn't your fault. Like this is a lot of people's, their brains just does this. And it's not your fault. Like you don't have to think, oh, you're not ill enough. I mean, specifically with eating disorders, it's weight. Sometimes you think I'm not a low enough weight to be here. They, they don't care about that. It's not, they don't really talk to you about that at all, actually, to begin with. Um, so there's no blame there's no, no judgment no. there's no it's just it, you know treating everyone as an individual mm-hmm. and and taking them seriously yeah and I think would you say because I think some people sometimes the reason people don't form that good relationships with um their therapist is because they find it pretty clinical and pretty like I'm your therapist that's only what we talk about how would you go about actually forming and do you do you go about forming like an overall f- friendship relationship with them or is it do you prefer to keep like a distance well for me I like to put myself in someone's shoes okay. and I find that really helps me mm-hmm. so I can understand their emotions I can understand how they're basically feeling and I also find that sharing personal relations some things about myself mm-hmm. not me just get to know the person but you get to know me as well as yeah. a therapist. And I find that if I sort of give personal information, because mm-hmm. I'm quite happy to share things that has yeah. happened into my life, or I've got four children and one of them is autistic. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to share what his experience is and how he overcomes yeah. some of the difficulties. So I find once someone knows something, like I find it really good. If I know you, I tell you something about myself, we sort of flow. Yeah. And I like two way thing. But then I have boundaries that I expect. I would make sure that that's that don't think that, oh yeah, you're my friend and yeah. you can get away with certain things. I maintain that quite a yeah. lot and I find that's quite important. Yeah. You can't form a relationship. It's there's no such thing as a one sided relationship. Yes. Yeah. But also you, you ensure that there's still a certain degree of Mm. I don't know professionalism yeah that's really important I mean my role's slightly different I'm not a therapist so my role with the young people I work with in participation is very different and I find that it has really worked for um for again for me to share 
yeah um, you know information about myself um mm. about family members mm. i think it's always good for um you know i've had a lot of mental health issues in my family and i think that it it helps for young people to know that actually i've been in their position yeah. you know i de- dealt with mental health issues yeah myself um so that's really helpful mm-hmm. because as you say it's, it's having the empathy and the mm. understanding that you know i i may not have been in the exact same circumstances as you yeah. but i do have an understanding yeah and what about if someone comes to you and like where does the confidentiality thing go because i think a lot of people they'll come in and they're like okay i'll tell you but you can't you can't ever share this anyone else like what happens to the information or the things you talk about in your sessions and if is it always completely confidential or not well with me personally the first session I would always say if you tell me something that I feel that it needs to I need to break that confidentiality mm-hmm. if you're a danger to yourself or others that would need to be break so I make it quite clear the first yeah. session what information will be shared and not being shared Mm-hmm. So that if you're going to tell me something, you said, I'm going to tell you this in strict confidence. I remind you of what we said in the first session. And yeah. I will be quite honest and say, I would need to share this information. Yeah. So it won't be like a secretive thing. It won't of be like, like oh, no, I secret- won't tell anyone. No, I would not say then, that on this. Yeah. No, I would be quite clear yeah. that certain things has to be shared okay. and also documented as well. Yeah. Purely for safety reasons Safety, as well. yeah. 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 Well, firstly, I would like to thank our two uh, service users for sharing such valuable insights into their own experiences of uh, coming into CAMS. And I'd also like to thank Nikki Scott, our service user participation lead, and Sharon Latchman, one of our CAMS practitioners, uh, for coming over to the podcast today to make this episode possible. I'm sure that you'll agree that uh, some of the insights that our two young people have shared with you um, have been quite valuable, and um, I would just like to thank them for their courage and uh, confidence in sharing that with us too. So um, that's enough for today, and uh, hopefully you'll join us over at our next episode of the podcast, which is coming soon. You've been listening to CAMS Talk, brought to you by the Luton and Bedford CAMS team and the Luton and Bedford Service User Participation Group. If you'd like to hear more from us, just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any of the other podcast platforms that you're using. Once you've subscribed, you'll get notifications on your device every time we release a brand new episode. If you want to comment or share your views, you can contact us on Twitter using at CamsTalk or on email using info at camstalk.com. One last thing, don't forget to use hashtag CamsTalkPodcast whenever you comment on social media. Speak to you soon.